Well, I want to jump into this because the hour is late. It is 11.15, and we're going to crank through here. I really feel like we've been really hitting hard at a lot of what, what God is really trying to do in his people, his church, and our hearts. Um, you know, last year we were talking about being established, strengthening the basics, acknowledging the supremacy of Christ, all these gospel things, you know, trusting and obeying him, discipleship, apprenticeship, becoming a church disciple maker or apprenticeships where we're not only being made into disciples, but we're making disciples. All of us, we're a bunch of disciple makers. And Steve's been laying some great foundation, unity of faith, which he's talked about all kinds of things from allegiance of our hearts to Christ, the gospel, baptism into the family of God, application of the gospel to our lives, unity in the mission of the church. And he talked about unity testifying of the divinity of Christ and the witness of truth to the world. And really that witness of truth to the world is our transformed lives and our family that is united and transformed in a way that testifies to the world. We're a family that should stand out from all the other families on the earth. People just standing amazed at the fact of God's work in our midst that's superhuman. You know, and God is pressing this application thing. How truth affects our personal everyday lives in the context of our family and our church family. That's what application is because... Application is about that truth actually becoming part of our lifestyle, becoming evident. It's like Paul said to Timothy, make sure your progress is evident to everybody because truth becomes part of how we act, talk, behave, interact with people, right? All of that stuff. It's, this is called wisdom. A transformed life is wisdom. It's, it's what you, we learn and build, right? Didache in our first principles classes. It's the Jesus way of living. It's a life that has truth applied and expressed and lived out. The Western church is trapped in a pursuit of knowledge rather than wisdom, and that is reflected in so many ways. We have people who have a form of godliness, which means you say the right things and you do the right things most of the time to give the appearance of living a good Christian life. But we have a nominal, unchanged life. We still are filled with anxieties, fears, addictions, worries, performance mentality, feeling like we have to do the right things to earn God's love and his favor insecurities, impurities, addictions, immature or dysfunctional and or dysfunctional relationships, weak marriages, wayward kids, weak men, status quo or dying churches. It's why you hear a message and forget the next day. It's why life groups come up with entirely different summaries for messages. It's why we miss the point. It's why the church in America and across much of the Western world is powerless and dying. Yet the church in places like China, Africa, India, other nations of the global south is thriving and exploding. We face cultural giants. So one is individualism. 
It's the habit or principle of being independent and self-reliant, self-centered feeling or conduct. Deuteronomy 12.8 says, you shall not do all that we are doing here today. This is back then they're speaking like, today we're not doing what we're doing today. Every man is doing whatever is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 21.2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the hearts to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Judges 17.6, at that time, Israel did not have a king, so everyone did what seemed right in his own eyes. This individualism takes the form of its religion, which is called humanism. And humanism is an outlook or system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. Humanism beliefs stress the potential value and goodness of human beings, emphasize common human needs, and seek solely rational ways of solving human problems. Now, you know, if this was just thrown out there as this terrible demonic philosophy, no, no one would follow it. But it has a lot of good things, like there is human potential in all of us, even the worst people. But it's in Christ that that potential comes out and comes alive from that dark place of isolation. You know, common human needs, that's... a something that brings us all together. We have common needs and our hearts are joined. And then we encourage one another to seek the Lord who can answer prayer and answer needs. And then it's all these kinds of things about being self-sufficient. That really is about stewardship. We steward our life and resources well, but if we do it outside of Christ and his counsel and obedience, we've lost everything. So these things are, are mingled with some good things, but we have to destroy the giant of individualism in our midst. We have to destroy the religion of humanism in our own hearts and lives and minds. Now, we see this, like, you know, if you've watched and chosen it all, you see the real struggle of people who love Jesus and basically gave everything up for them, for him. But it was a constant struggle. They were constantly not understanding Jesus. And it wasn't because Jesus wasn't, well, maybe you're not explaining it right. No, he was explaining it perfectly right. And everyone just kept misunderstanding. Their own insecurities were grappled with, their own sense of pity, their own sense of Anger because things didn't go like they thought they should go because they didn't understand the ways of God. This is a normal, common thing where we, we don't, I'm speaking to all of us, we don't grasp the ways of God. We think we do, but we don't. It is a constant pursuit of the Holy Spirit to say, trust me, I'm telling you, if you'll just let me teach you my ways. You think you're the worst one stuck. All of us are stuck. We need intervention. We need leadership of the Holy Spirit. We all need our goals, our ambitions, the things we pursue challenged by a living God. We need to be open. We need to be transformed. 
We're all on a giant, challenging learning curve. All of us. You know, perfect example of this, right? Two weeks ago, I gave clear instruction for what life group discussion time should look like. And I said three to five minutes of summary. I actually did it in about a minute and a half. Really good. Just on the message of preaching. And then focus on personal sharing. Go right from that three to five minutes, because even if someone's new and doesn't understand, they'll gain a whole lot from the discussion of the transparency, okay? The discussion is supposed to focus on personal sharing. Where do I fall short? And what does change look like? See where the rubber meets the road. We don't need all this other stuff. I challenge some of you to challenge your leaders that maybe if it's not happening after three to five minutes, say, hey, we ought to probably get to personal sharing and challenging time, right? And still, the result for many maybe even most, was a summary of an entirely different message and pontification of informational opinions. Very little, no discussion on impact and personal application. We are suffering, folks, from growing in Christ. We need to grow in Christ. Every single, well, I've been saved 30 years. You just don't understand where I, yeah, I totally understand you're, 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 your type of creation starts with an H. It's human. And humans need challenging and growth, especially humans that are from the West, where everything's about, oh, I know that. Oh, I know that information. And God's like, I don't care what you know. It's about how you live. It's about the things in your heart you haven't dealt with. We saw that during COVID. We saw the church turned upside down and half of it closed. But hallelujah, we trample over serpents and scorpions, over the whole power of the enemy. Ha! No weapon by any form shall prosper. And then the flu is released and all hell broke, breaks loose. You know, another aspect of this application, then I'm going to kind of shift directions and talk about kind of why God, why is he pressing so hard after this and making us all so uncomfortable? Another aspect of application where people go wrong is context. You know, we talk about the, the three spheres of application. It's our personal heart and life. So truth comes into our heart and it challenges us personally. Then we're challenged by how we fit personally in our nuclear family. How we relate to our husbands and our wives and our kids. And this is super important. It's so spiritual because the Bible says, husband, if you mistreat your wife, the Lord won't hear your prayer. Ugh. You know, there's far more than just women submitting to their husbands. There's dire consequences both ways. And then there's this idea of how our personal life fits into the family, this family, local church family, right? And then there's a fourth one, but most people in this room are not involved in that. That's the network, the church family network, right? And unless you're a five-fold minister, 
Ephesians 4 gift, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, or you're assisting them in some continual way, you most likely will not have the big C church or network as an experience or a context. Your experience will be limited to praying and funding this work. Your real work is right here in the midst of your family, your church family, your church, city church network, like this, the life group network, right? It's where you dig into relationships, outreach to the community, all these things, right? Now, having friends from other churches or doing a prayer or a Bible study with people from other churches, that doesn't qualify. That's not like social work. That's not like, wow, I'm, I'm like part of the big C church, really experiencing unity. You're not going to affect unity in the big C church. You're going to affect unity in the small C church, the local context. That is where your life is all demonstrated in. The concept of a network churches or the big C church is about unity between the senior leaders and their families of families. It's a governmental thing with Christ as the head. It's intended to be developed in the ground tilled by apostolic team and five-fold ministry teams. That's where the tilling and the work is done. If you aren't five-fold, you're not going to be involved. You might not even really be aware of the unity. You can't like, oh, I have a few friends from five different churches. Well, that doesn't matter. So you have one person that you think is going to even legitimately convey the heart of the whole body there? Especially with such individualism and humanism. So, <clears throat> I want to read Ephesians 4 here. We're going to begin to shift gears because I want to just build this foundation and hit some practical aspects, okay? One about application. God is after this. He's after us destroying our giants. Us destroying our giants of individualism and humanism. And then the second thing is understanding our context. You are not going to express your transformed life outside of a local family and your nuclear family and your community. You're not called to the big C church. If you were, you would be being groomed for the apostolic team, the E4 team. And you'd be tilling the ground and networking leaders together to help their families grow, right? That's the whole concept here. Or helping the apostolic team kind of do that. Ephesians 4. I just want to read this because it's such a powerful passage. And we're going to just... Therefore, I, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you also were called in the hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, just keep in mind everything we've discussed in this, this reading of this scripture. But to each one has been given a grace according, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it said, when he ascended on high and led captivities captive, 
and he gave gifts to people. Now this expression, he ascended, what does that mean? Except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also. He who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness, by deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each part, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. So how does that look for the Christian's walk? So I say, and affirm in the Lord that you are no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. And they having become callous, giving themselves up to indecent behavior for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former way of life, you are to rid yourself of the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to the lusts of deceit. And that you are to be, listen to this, renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self which is in the likeness of God, which has been created in righteousness and holiness. The Amplified reads it this way, this last part, that regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful lusts. And be continually renewed. I love that. Continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished, mental, and spiritual attitude. I love it. It's mental. It's spiritual. It's your whole attitude. Put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature. Nature. Created in God's image. God-like in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. So, question is, do you live as an expression of gratitude for your salvation? Is that what every act takes place during the day? Everything you do, everything you think, it's, it's an expression of gratitude for your salvation. That's challenging. That alone could challenge you to have a, a sober life group discussion. You could actually say, I fall short in my gratitude for my salvation. And this is how I plan to change. That's what's interesting in life group. <laughs> 
outside of the dinner and the fellowship and just getting close together, it's starting to talk about this kind of stuff. And when people are honest and they're vulnerable like this and they actually get down to the real work of growing and expressing what they're currently struggling with and setting goals for, that is what inspires a human heart. And other people are like, oh man, that is good. I struggle with that too. I want to grow too. Now, why is this so important? Because no one puts new wine in old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and the wine skin and the wine will all be ruined. They pour new wine into new wineskins. And you know, the scripture here talks about, well, old wine skins are still useful, meaning they'll still work for certain purposes. And God's like, no, we need new wineskins because we're not interested in just getting things to work. We want them to be effective and powerful. Woohoo, preach it. Isaiah 61. We talked about that being a blueprint of healing, restoration, being planted like a tree in community, and then be, being part of rebuilding the desolations of generations. But it's not you doing that. It's the people collectively as the body. We are challenging principalities and powers by us being united together and releasing the manifold wisdom of God. You can't do that alone. That's why we join hearts together as the body of Christ with one prophetic voice, lifting our voice to heaven in prayer and seeing things shaken and challenged because of the Spirit reflecting like a giant laser death-to-evil machine. That's the manifold wisdom. It talks about light as a spectrum, the manifold wisdom, the multifaceted wisdom being shot like a laser to principalities and powers, to darkness and rulers. This is what we can do together that we can't do alone. <laughs> okay, so I just, there's a couple words I want to share and then close up. Fuego. One prophet says this, and I'm not even telling you the prophet's names because then everyone picks on me and says, oh my gosh, and discredited. I'm saying this is a confirmation. It's a word of the Lord for this hour. You see, God is, gives us supply. These are just a couple nuggets that are saying, hey, this is in God's heart. This is why he's doing what he's doing in our midst. Why are you being pressed hard to change and grow? Because God has a plan. We stand on the precipice of an incredible move of God that's going to sweep the nations. And now is the time to prepare, not then. It's already started. It's already started. You see, God gives a supply, this one person says, so that we have the provision we need to advance his kingdom. That's why Deuteronomy 8.18 says, God says, I'm going to give you the power to get wealth. Now, this is not new to us. We know it. We taste it. We're seeing it in our midst of our community. It's been prophesied for years. He's going to make you like a chameleon who can change if necessary. What's this message about? Changing. Changing changing we got to change 
We got to obey the Holy Spirit. Ooh. To gain what we need to accomplish in his covenant purposes. So that is the key for us as we advance in the season ahead. This year, 2023, is about opening up new supply lines. So we're in this war over the supply for our future. But you want to understand that God's already given you the authority to multiply either what you have or to find new sources to multiply. So this year, when the warfare comes, it's about how we will fill the house with the supply that will sustain us in years to come. Now, what is that supply, Sean? Dollar bills? I don't know. It could be. It could be emotional currency to weather any storm you'll face. Whatever it is, it is the time to multiply and store and build. It's the time to plunder. It's the time to collect. It's the time to explode and and multiply and prepare. It's a time for you to prepare your hearts. So I want to encourage you all, this prophet says, to think multiplication. Think creativity. Don't let the world produce fear and anxiety in you. Listen, it is the weapon that Satan uses. If you experience fear, if you experience anxiety, he's seen potential in you and he wants to smother you. Get prayer. Go to life group and say, break this off of me. It is a wicked assignment of Satan against your life. Break off fear. Break off anxiety. Don't let it even have one inch of your heart and your mind. Another prophet says, Reformation mantles and mindsets to trust with reframing of people's mindsets and nations. This is not just a little move of God. This is not a little increase in his glory. Not a shallow watered revival. It's not an emotional game for us to feel good for a moment of time. It is the heaviness of his stature in our midst. It is the revealing of him as king. It's the nature of God being revealed in your hearts. Get a hold of that. Just think about it for a second. The nature of the perfect God being revealed through your physical flesh and your spiritual stature. God, the creator of heavens and earth, releasing his nature through you, a wicked enemy of God, a God-hater, a sinner, a lust bucket. (laughs) God is coming in an utterly redefining move that we don't yet have the language for or the capacity to understand. Do you get that? It means you can say, oh, I know what God's going to do. You're a liar. You have no clue. I have no clue. Are you kidding? I am here for the ride of my life saying, oh, I wonder where this train's leading. We haven't figured this out because God hasn't revealed it yet. He's given little glimpses. We know it's not going to be shallow water. We know it's not going to be some emotional game. We know it's going to be heavy, real serious, like God for the most magnificent time in history, pouring out his nature on people, that it becomes a sign and a wonder to the world. And it doesn't matter what we go through. We're still shining, radiating of God's goodness. 
We don't have the language. We don't have the capacity. It cannot be pigeonholed, compared, or categorized. New rules, new move, can't be compared, can't articulate, need new words, need new understanding. This is about building sons and daughters who are led by the Spirit. We need to obey step by step without all our questions being answered. Trusting. They will all be answered as necessary in time. This is going to be a big year. Great exploits, hard work, dedication, faithfulness, growth. And it talks a lot. Some of these prophetic words talk a lot about community and family, living stones, hospitality, care for one another. This is all stuff we've been like laboring in. It should be an incredible encouragement to every single one of you. Like, wow. What we've been laboring in is really what God's calling us to prepare our hearts in. I mean, and li- like, listen, this kind of stuff like community and family, living stones, hospitality, care for one another, that's not sexy. That's not your mainstream, like, contemporary prophets that want to just say, hallelujah, yes, given it, it will be given to you, shaken down, pressed together, glory, money, wealth, woo! Okay, this isn't that, this is family relationships, healthy, mature individuals. This is like not necessarily sexy stuff. This is stuff that's like established, steadfast, strong. Reminds me of Isaiah, that second part about trees planted, strong, unshakable. So, we've talked a lot about, we've given like different uh, stories, I mean, well, prophetic words really about God drawing people, right? It's already started. So, we had one person show up at the church during crossing and basically knocked and said, is this a church? And the person opened the door and said, yeah, it's a church. Can I help you? I need, I need to talk to somebody. So then ended up talking to someone for two hours, a couple people, and then entered into this real hungry openness to the Lord. Then the other day, the McGlashlins, are they in either room? If you are, raise your hand and, and let me know. But I don't think they are. Anyway, friends of mine, they actually installed the, the whole fire suppression system in this building over in the daycare businessman for years and so the other day he came to me and he's he I I was preaching last time I was preaching I looked back and saw him in the back row and I was like John and then his family supposedly because there were there was a young girl and a guy next to him and I was like so after I went up to him and you know I'm like hey man and he goes well, I won't tell you what he said. He swore. And he said, like, he said, Sean, you blank. You had Steve Arsenal call me. Who is this guy? And I'm like, Steve Arsenal? I don't know Steve Arsenal. Like, I mean, I don't know that you know Steve Arsenal. I mean, I know Steve Arsenal, but I don't know that you know Steve Arsenal. And like, I didn't have him call you. Why? Do you know him? And he goes, no. He called me at like 12.05 a.m. 
And I'm like, well, I don't even know why he'd know you. He doesn't come to these conservative events. He doesn't like, he's not in construction. So I don't know what to tell you. And he's like, look at me. He was bugging out. He was like, look it, it's on my phone. And I'm like, I see that. But like, I don't know why he would call you. So we got Steve on the phone because he was in Maine. And I'm like, so John called him. Hey, did you call me? Steve's like, who is this? <laughs> Didn't know who he was. And so then anyway, he gets, they get talking and say, I'm actually here with Sean. We came to church and this is what happened. Well, Steve at that time was at a leadership offsite and had just gone to bed with Melanie and probably was maybe even sleeping. And his phone dialed this guy, troubled him like crazy. In fact, during worship, he was like, I know that he can take it because he's a, he's a really funny guy. You all got to meet John. But he's like, man, this worship service is long. Like, so he, he went on the Crossing website, and he's looking, saying, surely they'll tell us like, how long this worship part is. So he's looking at the phone, and he's like, Steve Arsenal? Like, what the, this is before we had talked. And he's like, this is crazy. This guy is, is on staff of the church. Like, so he's really just freaking out. Like, this, what is this all about? So anyway, long story short, it was this one week that all of a sudden, God started just plaguing him with a phone call by Steve that he didn't know. And Steve didn't know how his phone called him. He said, I don't even know if that, I don't know. Your contact isn't even my phone. I don't know how this happened, but nice to meet you. <laughs> and then at the same time, John said to his daughter, who is in high school, and said, hey, listen, like, I was thinking of going to church, this church in Wyndham. She goes, is it this one? And pulls it up on her phone, and it's a Crossing Life Church on her phone that came up, and she was like, I wanted to go here this week too. None of them were seeking God before this, this week. Okay, then he ends, she ends up not being able to sleep, part of this whole process for her, not being able to sleep for days because she got these TikToks that were about being left behind. And like this evangelistic thing starts springing up in her heart. Then she calls her boyfriend and says, hey, have you ever thought about like actually God? And he goes, no, except for this week. <laughs> and so all three came after we talked. I said, do you know what the gospel is? I shared the gospel. They all accepted Jesus. They've been here a couple weeks. And they said, Stephanie was preaching about this big thing that God is going to do. Do you know what that is? And I'm like, yeah, the same thing that happened to you all this week, happening all over the globe. But that's what's going to happen, folks. Like, we... We're not going to have to go out and be pre preaching on the street. They're going to come. God's going to draw them because he starts plaguing their hearts and saying, I love you. Come to me. I love you. Come to me. I love you. Come to me. This is what he's going to do. But you got to be ready. you got to be here. And instead of just going like, hi, Di. Hi. How you doing, Micah? Hey. Hi, Dan. How are you? Well, see you later next week. We're going to have to be going... Holy Spirit, what do you have me do today? Come on, come on, who can I share with? Who's here? Oh, oh there's a new guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs>
And we're going at it. We're on mission with God. We're saying, Lord, what do you have from me? I'm here. I'm here to reap a harvest. I'm here to help people. I'm here to like listen to the Lord. And then we begin to be fishers of men and winners of souls. Wise folks that are out on doing the mission of the Lord. This is like absolutely amazing to me. And it's going to happen like crazy. We're just going to be like, oh, yeah, so God drew your heart. Yeah, that's probably why you're here. Yeah, happens to hundreds every week. Really. But the question is, are you going to be ready? And I pray you won't be like the, the virgins that ran out of oil or all the other stories that talk about people who don't prepare and they're not ready and not willing until... It's all happening. And some of you, you got to take steps. Some of you are called to be leaders in this house. But you got to take some steps and overcome some of these things and start stepping in that direction. And if you don't do it tomorrow, it's too late. Really. I don't mean that as condemning. I'm saying, like, you got to get from point A to B. You're not going to make it unless you start now. Go, go. This is the day of preparation. This is the day of power. This is the day of demonstration. God is changing and setting free. And you know, you might have people around you that you're like, well, he hasn't touched this person yet. Lord, what's wrong with you? Touching everybody else, but not this person or not me. That's not the right attitude. Let me model the better attitude. The better attitude would be like, I just don't understand why I'm being left out or feel like I'm being left out. And then you go to life group and you say, folks, I'm struggling because after what they preached about, I feel left out. Can you pray for me that I would be able to trust God? That's what it's all about. It's about trusting God. It's not about whether you're left out or doing the right or wrong thing. It's about the fact that your heart is contentious with God and that you're angry because things aren't happening like you think they should happen. Instead of throwing up your arms and saying, I surrender, Lord. You are good. You are good. You saved my soul. I'm grateful, Lord. Thank you. I know that I'm in the palm of your hand. I am in the perfect place. Teach me. Let me be sensitive. I don't want to miss a thing, Lord. You didn't want to touch me yet. You didn't want to touch this person yet. But in spite of it all, I'm seeking you. I'm I'm pursuing you, Lord. You're so good. You've demonstrated your goodness time and time again. I've seen it. Recount the ways. And begin to activate your faith and begin to pray for what God has for you in the future. And have him align your hearts and your attitudes and your mindsets. And stop criticizing your helper. What does that saying go? Don't smack the hand that feeds you. Like why are you having such a problem with God? You can trust him. He certainly didn't miss the memo. Lord, didn't you realize? He's like, oh, oh, you have little faith. I'm working on you, son, daughter. The biggest thing is working on you to actually trust that I'm working on you. Father, I just pray for this time and this season we're in. 
I thank you you don't condemn us on the word. The truth is so hard. And I thank you that we don't have to live under the burden of it. We've been set free from sin and death. And we're those who walk without any burden, free and free indeed to do everything we can out of our heart to serve you and love you and obey you. Failures aren't counted. They're just lessons to learn. We don't have to worry about it and feel like a loser because you, you accounted for all that by dying on the cross and saying nothing will be held against you. Live from your heart. Live according to truth with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Serve me, worship me, obey me. In all your ways, acknowledge me and I'll direct your path. And Lord, we thank you right now for every single situation. Knowing that even attacks from the enemy have no chance of standing in the momentum of your power and the force of your Holy Spirit on my life, my heart, my mind, my body, in my family, in my church family, in the great church across the globe that is beginning to wake up and, and rustle and stir as your spirit is beginning to breathe on hearts and resurrect people from the dead. Pray for you to do that in our midst, Lord God. Resurrect us. Revive us. Awaken us. Even the most awakened in this place, I ask for a divine encounter, intervention to let them see how blind they are to see how hungry they are, to see how lacking they are. Not that we can sit and commiserate, but that we can experience what it is to be filled. And I thank you, that's your call, Lord, to fill all things. Here we are, God. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would begin to fill every heart. Even those who aren't used to being filled, I pray for the move of the Spirit of God across this room, across the fellowship hall, the other sanctuary. I thank you, Father, for this land, that you would fill this land, that, Lord, it would draw many to you, that it would be set on a hill in the spiritual places as a beacon, a lighthouse. Break off things of the past. Break off the old man. Break off the old experiences, Lord. Make all things new. Refresh hearts. Refresh minds. Release hope. Vision in hearts to rise up and begin to journey toward that promise, that finish line. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your confidence. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, respond to him right now. Speak to him about your life, your heart.